Welcome to Journey Through the Bible, and today I'm so excited to continue to study the Word of God as found in the book of Genesis. We have covered thus far 30 chapters, and today we jump right into Genesis chapter 31. But before we continue, let us ask God to actually come into, into this meeting, into this study, and imbued us with His Holy Spirit that we may understand whatever it is that we are going to read. And so, bow your heads and let's say a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the privilege of prayer, of, of speaking to you as to your friend, Lord. There's so many things we are going through right now. The stress, the COVID-19, the pandemics, and many other issues, uh, the struggles we have in our own spiritual lives. Lord, we bring all these things to you. Lord, we ask you to intervene for us and do what we cannot do and cleanse our hearts and give us that peace that we long for lord as we study your word you have promised us that you are able to comfort us through scriptures as as you say in romans chapter 15 and verse 4 and so lord i pray that that will be our experience today that we through the patience as we study the scriptures might have hope thank you so much for hearing us thank you for the gift of your holy spirit in jesus name we ask and thank you and have this means to speak to you. Amen. All right. And so here we are in the book of Genesis chapter 31. And I want you to bring up your Bibles. We are not going to look at so many verses. Just the first few verses is where we're going to be looking at today. Genesis chapter 31 starts like this. It says, and he, sa and he heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's and of, of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. Let us examine this verse very closely and identify our main characters. Our, our title, of course, is Laban and Jacob in type and anti-type. And what that means, really, it's just us looking at the story of Jacob and Laban and looking at the things that God is actually trying to teach us, things that seem to be happening in the story, but also have a very real present-day application today. And so it said, and he heard the words of Laban's sons. So the first character we see is Laban's sons. And obviously that includes Laban himself. Laban has children and these children are acting in a weird way. What is this weird way? Well, they are saying Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's and of, of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory, just all this glory. Just a background for this story, Jacob has been staying in this land for over 20 years and he has been working for Laban to a point that he worked for Laban and also he actually married his daughter, daughters. You know the story that happened, you can watch the, the previous video to understand what's going on here. But after all the, oh, in all these years, even though Laban was being, uh, you know, was using tricks and deceiving deceiving um, Jacob, God made Jacob successful. So despite all the trickery and all the, all the abuse that, that was being portrayed or put on Jacob, God made sure that Jacob was successful. And so here we see Jacob is very successful to a point that he, it causes jealousy in the sons of Laban because the sons of Laban are like, this guy is not 
from this place and yet he's being so much successful. And as I was reading this story, I was like, wow, the world really never changes. There's nothing new under the sun. If you look at our world today in regards to, you know, if a person is successful in an area that they were not raised in, if a, if a person is an immigrant, let's say the word, and is successful in, in a certain way, people start making excuses and they start saying, they start hating rather, because there's no justification for anything like that. But they start saying that he's, he's being more successful than we are. And so we need to get him out of here or whatever the case may be. But the reality is not very new. But here's what's more interesting. What's more interesting is that God is actually interested in these issues. And we see how he handles this problem. Why is God interested? Because if a child of God is in a particular situation, God is interested in that. And so God has solutions for every problem that we may have in our lives. If you look at verse number two, it continues to say, and Jacob beheld the countenance of his master Laban and behold it was not toward him as before even Laban himself changed the way he was treating Jacob was not the way he was treating him now things changed because Jacob was now more successful than than Laban himself that's what happens when you become more successful than your boss what, well, that's what happens when you become more successful than the one who employs you when you become more successful than the country you went to sojourn in, the, the place you live, and if it's not your home and you become successful, it usually becomes a problem. Why does it become a problem? It becomes a problem because there's another problem in the human heart, and it's called envy. See, the sons of Laban were envious. And what is envy, you ask? Well, envy is best defined as, the, as grieving at someone else's good. Because someone is doing better than you are, you become envious towards them. And this is the whole point uh, that happened even with Lucifer when he fell from heaven. He was envious of God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to have what God had. But really, it wasn't just envy of, of you know, wanting to be like God. He wanted to be like God partially. The devil wanted to have God's power, God's abilities, God's talents, God, all these things. But he did not want to have God's humility. He didn't want to have God's love. He was very selective at things. He just wanted the throne, but he did not want the heart at the center, the mercy and justice of the throne. And just looking at that, I was asking myself, maybe that's how most of us are today. I included, in fact, I'm talking about myself. Sometimes we want to be like Jesus when it comes to how he spoke with authority and power. We want to be like Jesus when he raises the dead and, and heals the sick. And we want to start all these um, amazing churches, mega churches where we do amazing things, but we don't want to be like Jesus in character, his love. He says, and this is very interesting. He doesn't say, when he calls in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, O ye that are weary and heavy laden. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. And he says, watch this, learn of me. 
What he says is very interesting. He doesn't say, learn of me because I'm the most learned. I'm the most educated. I'm the, I'm the you know, <laughs> the genius of Genesis. You know what I mean? He says, learn of me for I am lowly and meek in heart and you shall find rest to your souls. The point that God wants us to learn from him is humility, is to have a broken heart, a contrite heart, a repentant heart. And that only God can give us. I see time is moving very fast, but let's get into the other verses. So just from these three characters, we can see different applications. And I think we don't, we don't want to go too deep into this. Time is almost up already. Well, these, these sons of Laban were jealous or envious at Jacob. And in, in, in other words, they were portraying the character of Satan himself. Now, where do I find this principle? There's an interesting concept principle that I want you guys to consider found in John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus said, ye are of your father the devil, and the last of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Interesting, right? So when we do the will of the devil, we become the sons of the devil. In fact, there's a verse that says, if ye sin, ye are of, your de of the devil. And for this reason is Christ come into the world that he might destroy the works for the devil. Praise God for that part. So whenever we sin, whenever we portray this envy towards other people, for whatever reason, we're actually representing the devil in the flesh. We are saying that the devil's idea of thinking and of acting is better than God's, where God says, be humble, be hospitable. But the devil says otherwise, right? So from this principle, we can see a very practical, uh, very practical lessons for us that looking at Laban, literally what I see is the devil himself. And when you continue the story, you can look at the characteristics that Laban portrays are very similar to what the devil does. How do I know that? Well, Laban was a deceiver. He deceived Jacob. And he, he made him change, you know, he kept changing wedges, kept using his tricks to make him stay longer. He, he, he lied to him instead of giving him Rachel, he gave him Leah instead. And that made him stay longer. And all Laban was looking for a way to increase the time that he's going to spend with Jacob because Jacob was a hard worker. And so Laban wanted to accumulate all his, his wealth and everything that he's going to generate to just make him more prosperous. You know what I mean? But he was a deceiver. And we are told in John chapter 8 that the devil is the father of lies. He's the one who began all lies. So that's where we see a point. And then continuing on, um, the, the, the sons of Laban are literally the sons of the devil in a sense. Because, and those will be people today who adhere to the doctrines, the teachings, or the thinking of Satan. Those who portray his character, whether they know it or not. Those who are envious, those who are proud, boasters, blasphemers. Those who want to do things their own way. Those who don't care about God. Those who think they have a better way at life. Those are the sons of Laban. And here's what will happen when the children of God succeed, and that's Jacob. Jacob in the story represents the children of God. Of course, we know that because Jacob later became Israel, and Israel became the is Israel is synonymous to the people of God. Israel to Israel refers holistically to God's children. And so when God's children succeeds, 
what happens is the world becomes envious. The world becomes jealous. The world, the world becomes uncomfortable because you see, whenever the gospel succeeds, it's a threat to the kingdom of Satan. And Satan will try everything he can to stop God's children. He did it in the past when he was spreading his deceptions and his lies through the dark ages and, and people stood up and protested. And that's where Protestantism comes from. The devil actually wanted to kill them. Even in the, in the time of Jesus, you know, when, when Jesus became famous and he started preaching, they crucified him. The, 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 the disciples, when they started preaching and sharing the, the message across, they were all crucified because the world was envious at them. And the same happened with Paul. Paul was beheaded. James was beheaded. And, and we, we hear these cruel stories that happen to these people. But all it teaches us is that when we succeed, this is not our, uh, this is not our home. And, and Jesus Christ said it better than I can. He said that in the world you shall have many tribulations, but be of good cheer. He says, they hated me, they will hate you also. But why does the world hate us? You know, if you're a Christian, uh, 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 Christian denomination, uh, Christianity in, 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 in an Islamic nation, for instance, or any nation for that matter, that doesn't, is not of, 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 uh, of, of Christian faith. Whenever Christianity succeeds in other nations, it becomes a problem and persecution arises or hatred or you name it. But the point we're learning from the story is that it will happen again. God's people are going to be hated. They're, they're going to be pointed as the cause of all problems on this earth. They'll be, they'll be pointed out as, you know, disruptors and those who are, you know, extremists and fundamentalists. All these things are going to happen because the world does not want God. Literally, the word is saying, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from us. We have nothing to do with them. But those are just some few concepts we can learn from the story. In the next 15 minutes that we have, I'm going to kind of like change gears a bit and look into the deeper truths we can find in this word. For now, let's just take a break and, uh, um, you know, get some water, you know, write down these verses and, and let's continue to study God's word. So we're chapter 31 verse 1 and 2 when we continue in verse number 3 we see that God is interested in the being of Jacob as he's interested in you right now wherever you may be God is interested notice Jacob has a problem and before he even talks to God God answers him God says in verse 3 and the Lord said unto Jacob return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred and I will be with you God tells Jacob, go back to the land of the fathers. Go back to the land of promise and I will be with you. The most important portion of that text is, I will be with you. And it doesn't matter where you are, God will be with you. But this is a very practical, practical lesson for, you know, those of us who find ourselves in a situation where we are hated because of, maybe we're not, because of who we are. Maybe at work when we become so successful, the boss hates us. Or maybe it's in a place that is not our home and we become successful and people become jealous. One of the practical solutions we can adopt is just go to the place where we came from, for example, in the case of, 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 Jacob, of Jacob. Now, I know that may not sound 
easy. It wasn't easy for Jacob either because he was not just returning to, to, to the land of his, of his fathers. He was actually returning to meet Esau, who is looking for him to kill him, at least according to what he thinks. And so it was very tough for him to return, but it was also very tough for him to stay. What do you do when you find yourself in this position where you can't go back, but you can't stay either? What do you do? Well, read this story and God will tell you what to do. But in, in, in a general sense, this is not speaking about a specific place you have to go to. Because when you continue reading down, it says in verse number, verse number 13, God says, I'm the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest the vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out of this land and return to the land of thy kindred. So when God comes to him, he says, he doesn't say I'm the God of the United States of America, I'm the God of Africa, or I'm the God of the Middle East, or I'm the God of Europe, or Asia, or Africa. He says I'm the God of Bethel. And, and in closing, I just want to leave that with you right now. God is the God of Bethel. What does that mean, Bethel? Well, Bethel is this place where, where, where <laughs> Jacob himself saw God. He, he saw the, the, the Jacob's ladder, that's what we call it now. But really, it's God's ladder of, of connecting us back to himself, of, of his continual presence that is with us. He, it's a sign that God is with us all the time. And, and that's the major theme of, 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 this, of, this, of, of, of this chapter, God's presence. He is with us no matter where we are. But there's a very unique identifier or qualifier here. He's the God of Bethel. What's so different and what's so unique about Bethel? Bethel is holy. Bethel, not only is Bethel holy though, Bethel means house of God, house of prayer, you may add. And so long as we are in a holy place, it doesn't matter. God will be with us. And it says, literally what this is telling me and telling you is that God is a God of holy places and it begins with you. And that's why God says, be ye therefore holy, even as I am holy. Know you not that your body is the temple of God, which dwells in you and that your body is not your own. So if you are holy, it doesn't matter where you are, but not only that, if you are in a holy place, a holy environment, holy thinking, and, and that doesn't mean you, you, you now for you, for God to accept you, you have now to just be holy all the time. What that means is you must even be repentant when you sin. Because when you sin, when you make a mistake, let's say, God is still with you. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings you back to himself because we can't really return to God on our own. We can't even repent. Repentance is a gift from God. But God is a God of holy places. And so that calls for us to have a deeper introspection into our lives and remove everything that is unholy and put it aside and ask God for strength and guidance to keep growing in him. He is the God of holy places. Now, it's just a bonus, bonus, bonus point that I want to leave with you right now is that when when Jacob was, you know, he, he called, when, when Jacob just received this information from God or this instruction, he called his wives and told them, so this is what God has said and I, I want us to leave because you see, your father is treating me unfairly. I just want to, he's treating me very unfairly. So I just want to go back home. Here's what they said. 
and I hope that will be what you say today. They said, you know what? We know it. <laughs> we know it. In fact, he also mistreats us. But whatever God has said unto you, do. And so today as we close, whatever God has said unto you, do. Whatever God has said unto you through this presentation, don't just listen, do. Blessed are not just listeners, but doers. So be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, deceiving myself if I do that. And okay, I, I'm just thinking I should add one more, just one more, one more, one more. Um, we see here a very, very interesting story of how uh, the, uh, Jacob's overstaying, right? Jacob literally overstayed in this land, in this land of Laban, if you want to call it. And that just speaks to me of how we have overstayed in on this earth. It's been, it's been, I mean, scientists say it's millions of years old, but we know that's impossible, scientifically impossible. We know it's about more than 6,000 years now, and it's a long time. It's a long time that we have been on this earth. And one day, God will say, enough is enough. Let my children go. Speaking to Laban or to Pharaoh or to Satan himself. He'll say, it's, it's, enough is enough. Let my children go. And he will save us as long as we are faithful. As long as we listen to him when he tells us what to do. When he comes again, the second coming, we will see him with our eyes. And if we are dead in him, he will call our name and we are going to be resurrected. So in closing, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope to see you as we continue journeying through the Bible. Thank you and bye for now.